Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 28 of Live and Let Die Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Go Say Sentai Die Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J, and with me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Uh, good man. <clears throat> I'm home and I'm relaxed, which is fantastic. Uh, especially considering what happened to you this week, which we will get to in our award-winning opening segment. <laughs> Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? Uh, you you actually said you had a thing. So, Matt, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? Okay, so the first star of the week <laughs> is... Listen, so I've mentioned before on this show that I take the bus to work. Yeah, a perpetual source of entertainment for the rest of us. And I heard, I heard uh, just the other day, only a snippet of a conversation. And I don't know what the rest of the conversation was. But I wrote down what the guy said because I found it so delightful. <laughs> it, it must have been the tail part of a story. Because the two sentences I got, or the very few, were as follows. Well... Well, they don't tell you about what happens when you drink 16 ounces of carrot juice a day. Oh, boy. Like a volcanic eruption. You know, <laughs> your intestines. Anyway, it's good. I've been drinking it for years. <laughs> and the last part, I think, is the best. Because the opening of it makes it sound as though this is something that he's trying to get people to not do. But no, like, go for it. You're going to have a real time of it. But, you know. <laughs> I hope, I really hope that that is not the tail end of a conversation. I hope they were talking about something like almost unrelated. And this guy's just like, you know what they don't tell you about drinking? Maybe they're like talking about a different juice. A guy's like, man, you know, I could go for some OJ today. That sounds great. And he's like, you know what they don't tell you about drinking carrot juice? It's an eruption. <laughs> anyway, so that was my first star of the week. Just to kick things off with a, uh, you know, a little vegetable anecdote. Dave, what is our second star of the week? Okay, uh, so our second star of the week, I thought, guys, I really thought I was done talking about Dragon Age. Turns out I'm not because uh, they dropped surprise DLC on us. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, like I didn't even know about it. They made like a vague announcement, I guess like the day before. I just hopped onto X, but you know, I was playing a different game and was like, Dragon Age DLC. And I was like, what? And um, the producers of the game had re said, actually, explicit, rather explicitly, they said, we are not planning any single player DLC for Dragon Age. And they yet. Right. And they said, we're going to maybe re be releasing some stuff for the multiplayer, like new maps or whatever. But they had been fairly clear, like, guys, do not expect any single-player DLC. And then they just, like, dropped it out of nowhere. I had bought I haven't played it yet, actually, because of other stuff. But uh, I think I might find some time to play it this afternoon. So I'm really psyched. Uh, I, read, I read, like, a quick review of it, and what it said was that it's really fun. Like, it's a solid add-on. There's, like, some cool new stuff. There's, like, some new monsters. Like, you go do some stuff, and uh, it kind of expands the world a little bit more. Well, it's very fun. Yeah, I'm, and, I'm really looking forward to it. And actually, uh, speaking of games that we are returning to, Dave, yeah. our third star of the week is another game that we're both returning to. Mm -hmm. uh, we just started a Wednesday night uh, tabletop Star Wars game. Yeah. I'm jazzed about it, man. I'm really I'm jazzed, jazzed about it. I'm very excited. I am as always worried because whenever you play Star Wars, there's always somebody. Somebody on the team is secretly scheming something. Like they've there's always somebody who is like they're not a Jedi, dude. They're just force sensitive. And they're not going to follow the code of the Jedi or the Sith. They're going to find their own thing. They're going to find that balance point and really just, you know, do it right. And then, like, a month later, it's all forced lightning and they've completely <laughs> fallen to the dark side. 
Yeah. Um, I think we've all... I really like our gaming group. I think everybody is on board. I think because everybody's had that experience. Yeah. I think everybody is on board with, like, no force users. Uh, God, I hope so, man. I hope so. Otherwise, I hope this so. is going to be a trouble city. If you've uh, never played, if you've never played a Star Wars RPG, they could be super fun. They really can be. But you've got to decide. Like, you have to decide either, like, it's a Jedi campaign or, like, a Sith campaign or whatever. Like, either everybody is a force user or nobody's a force user. Like and people you don't really... want to do that. Because they what they want to do is they want to have Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and Chewie and Leia all together. But what they forget is in those movies, Luke almost never hangs out with them. He is always right. off doing weird Jedi stuff. Yeah, he's always off doing weird Jedi stuff. And he's not actually part of the group. Like, they're all super besties, but everybody's doing one thing, and Luke is, like, effing off to Dagobah to, like, do training. And that's not a good art. It's a great story. But it's not a fun game because right. then you just have one guy sitting in a room by himself for an hour while everyone else like <laughs> raids the fort, and then everyone else has to listen to him like get trained in the art of you know Zen telekinesis. <laughs> right. So I think we're. I actually don't know what our deal is yet. Everybody, we're on a ship. I think we're smugglers. I don't know actually because uh, we only played one session of it. Yeah, we're playing just like just after Revenge of the Sith, like as the rebellion is in its like very like early days. Yeah, it's like the super early days of the rebellion and like the rise of the Galactic Empire. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm I think it's going to be a super fun. Rich kid named Cade Yeager after the. <laughs> Didn't uh, um I know that name? Oh yeah, that was Mark Wahlberg's character in Transformers Four. Okay, thank you. Because heads up, that dude's name was Cade Yeager. It's the best name ever. <laughs> That's a fantastic name. Uh, I'm playing a pilot. I'm like a Duros pilot. I, I think it's going to be great. There's not a whole lot to say about it. I'm just looking forward to playing Star Wars. Yeah. Okay. So, Dave, that's our third star of the week. What is our fourth? Okay, Matt. So yesterday, I bought a car. All right. Seems sort of sudden, but... Uh... Yeah. Well, it sort of was and it sort of wasn't. So, I was okay. I have I currently actually I still have a Toyota Corolla, but I had a Toyota Corolla, right? And this right. car had like 200,000 plus miles on it. And I was like, you know, my wife and I were like, you know, it's a Corolla, they last forever, but we should start saving up for a new car. Like it's getting towards the end here, right? So thankfully, right. we've been saving up for a car. So yesterday, I'm sorry. Let me start from the very beginning. So Friday, Beth and I drive out to our alma mater, which is also your mat alma mater, for a conference. It was an Inklings conference. So it was like some people were delivering papers on C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. And it was being sort of hosted by one of our favorite old professors who had invited us to stay with her for the, for the evening. So we drive out Friday, out to Grove City, which is about two hours away from Cleveland. Car feels like a little bit funky, right, on the way out, but everything's cool. We get to the college, there's a banquet, we go back to my old professor's house, we're like hanging out, we have, uh, you know, some cheese and drinks and stuff, we're just chilling, good times. So, right. wake up the next morning, hop back in the car, start driving from her place to the college. It's only like a 15-minute drive right and this is between uh grove city pennsylvania because we went to grove city college and mercer pennsylvania and so there's like one kind of long state route that connects them we're driving down this state route and the check engine light uh goes on and then it starts blinking and i don't know a lot about cars matt but when a check engine light starts blinking i know you turn that car off like immediately so i pull off to the side of the road turn the car off call a tow truck tow truck takes like an hour and a half to get there because the dude was up in erie pennsylvania and i don't know if you know this matt but apparently erie pennsylvania got like six inches of snow on friday really yeah they got just obliterated a blizzard aided maybe anyways uh <laughs> sorry for that so <laughs> let's, let's just move on from that as quickly as possible apologize. so the guy finally gets down 
He says, ah, it sounds like one of your cylinders isn't firing. Could be as simple as a coil pack. And I say, well, do you guys do repairs? Because the shop that I was going to take it to would like, oh, we won't be able to get to it till like April the 6th. And I was like, well, that's like a week from now. So that's ridiculous. So I was like, and he says, yeah, we can take a look at it today. So, all right, cool. So he tows the car out to the shop. And the mechanics start taking a look at it. And they say, well, cylinder's not firing. Hopefully it's like a coil pack. I don't even know what that is. But it's like a fairly quick fix, right? So like the guy looks at it and like he calls another mechanic over and they're looking at it. And they like get a camera out and they're in the engine. And so I'm getting more and more my prospects are getting more dismal, right? Uh <laughs> so the guy comes at the guy who owns the shop, he comes back out and he's like, Listen. Uh, I, it's not good news. I said, all right, well, what is it? And he says, well, this, like a piston head is cracked. And he pulls, he brings me over and like the piston, and I know a tiny bit about cars, but you know, I understand the mechanics of it, at least in, in part. And so he shows me the piston head with like this camera on a thing. And it is like, like a third of it is just gone. It's just, oh yeah, it's just gone. Like it's crumbled. It's dead. And I'm like, Okay. Well, how much is it going to cost? Is this going to like a $400 fix or like a $1,500 fix? And he's like, well, let me think about it. And let me see. And he starts like writing stuff up. And I'm like, listen, dude, just is it more than like $1,000? And he's like, yeah, it's going to be more than 1000 bucks." And I was like, this car's not even worth $1,000. So, so like this car is dead. Like this car is dead now. Like it doesn't work anymore. Uh, I can't drive it. So... I said, well, is there a Toyota dealership around here? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, man, there's one over like X far away. And I was like, cool, dude. I was like, can you just tow me over and uh, I'll trade it in and I'll get what I can get for it. So, I mean, I didn't get anything. They, I, I sold it for scrap. I mean, it wasn't worth anything. You couldn't drive it. Like the repairs to it would have cost more than the car was worth. And so I just walk into a Toyota dealership and I was like, well, I need a car. Like, today. Like, right now. And the guy's like, well, here's what I got. And I was like, that car looks good. So I'm not going to go through the whole story. But uh, long story short, I actually ended up with, like, kind of the exact car that I wanted. Well, because you replaced an old Corolla with a newer Corolla, Yeah, I replaced an old Corolla. I replaced a 2000 Corolla with a 2006 Corolla. My old car had like 209,000 miles on it. This car has like 109,000 miles on it. And the new one is a uh, manual, which I prefer. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, like I checked it out. Like, you know, I looked it up on Kelly Blue Book. I got it for like 1300 bucks under Kelly Blue Book. You know, uh, I got scrap money in the car, so it only ended up costing me, like, X amount. I have very good credit, so I'm paying it off. You know, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, yeah. Mel Grata, Mel Grata Toyota in Heritage, Pennsylvania. Yeah, they were great. So I bought a new car yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a hell of a day. It was, yeah, it was not the day I expected. It wasn't the day I expected, but ultimately, not a bad day. Just an expensive day. <laughs> but like I said, okay. I had already saved some money. Like, I knew it was coming. Someday, someday, Matt, some sweet day, I will buy a car not because, like, I need to buy one that day. Oh, I mean, you could do what I did, which was just not have a car for four months. Well, I could have done that, Matt, but I was in Hermitage. I mean, I guess I could have rented ah, a car. Yes. But <laughs> never mind. Yeah, so that was not an option. So that matters our fourth star. I bought a car yesterday. Okay, and Dave, our fifth star of, fifth the, week star of the week is very exciting. Okay. Because today, Sunday, is like uh, Sunday, it's a very Sunday, big day. Sunday? Style Sunday? It, you know what? It almost exactly is a Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Are you going to go see Come Trucks? to the arena because today is WrestleMania. Oh, that's right. Oh, man. The grandest stage of them all, Dave. The showcase of the immortals. It's, oh, you had invited me over. I can't come over to watch it, man. I got like a million things to do today. Yeah, I know your weekend sort of went sideways on you. But honestly, okay, listen. I don't know how good the actual event is going to be. I know some of the matches are a little suspect. Mm-hmm. 
some of the stories they've been trying to tell up to this point have been told uh, pretty poorly. I'm going to be honest about that. Okay. But WrestleMania is the one day a year that you get to see The Undertaker wrestle, and I'm looking forward to that. Wait a minute. I thought The Undertaker retired. No, he... His undefeated streak at WrestleMania ended last year, and he hasn't come back since. But today, he's going to be there. And even if he doesn't have a great match, I'm going to get to watch The Undertaker's entrance. And really, that's one of the highlights of any show. Wow. Dude, how how old is The Undertaker now? Um, Late 40s, early 50s. He's been wrestling for as long as I've been alive. I think he started wrestling in one capacity or another in 1984. Dude, that can't be. Like, he's just got to be yeah, destroyed think about it. by now. Okay, think about this, though. He works one day a year. Well, now. He shows up for WrestleMania, and that's pretty much it. Now, for the last couple of years, for the last basically three, four years. Oh, really? Like, The Undertaker only shows up to WrestleMania. Oh, I didn't know that. And he puts on a great show. And then that's it. And then he just, like, he takes a year off to recover and train and enjoy his largesse. And then that's it. Oh, he is uh, is 50, Matt. Thank you. He's 50. Oh, and actually, he was born in, or he lives in Austin, Texas. Uh, Dave, I'm sorry. You might not know this. You might not be up on it. But uh, The Undertaker is from Death Valley. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. That makes a lot of sense. I don't know if you've heard them announce him recently. I, uh, he hasn't been around, so I understand. I have not. I don't know who lives in Austin, Texas, but The Undertaker the, is from the Death The Undertaker Valley. is from Death Valley. Uh, no, that's awesome, dude. I like, uh, I like, I love professional wrestlers, even though I don't myself watch a ton of wrestling, as we've discussed before. I love that it exists. Oh, yeah, and if you like professional wrestlers, The Undertaker is the most professional wrestler, professional wrestler that ever professional wrestled. <laughs> um, so I can only imagine our buddy Josh is coming over to watch this with you. I'm actually going over to his okay, place. Well, but yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, whichever. I think his TV is His TV is larger. <laughs> yeah. Um, These things are important, Dave. No, totally, totally. I, uh, listen, man, when I was a younger man, I thought to myself, who cares about a giant TV? You can watch TV just as well on like a regular size TV. And then when we were living, I built our buddy Bill, who we've talked about before, and I used to be roommates. And uh, one day he just came home with a big screen TV and we plugged the Xbox into it. And, uh, and then that was it. I was like, oh, okay. So this is life now. And I'm never going back to having a tiny TV, a small TV ever. Yeah, it turns out that's something that you can never downgrade Yeah, you from. can't ever go from a big TV to a little guy. It's like getting rid of a smartphone and going back to a feature phone. Like, it's like once you cross that line, there's just no going back. Yeah, that's just your world now. You can't now. do it. I actually have been thinking vaguely about upgrading because our current TV is about six years old. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's totally fine. I want to be very clear about that. Uh, it's just no longer huge. Right. Now it's just sort of normally it's large. It's normally large. And I, I just, I want a better, I want a, I want more. And you want something that's like unnecessarily colossal. Yeah, yeah. Def- obviously. Obviously. What else would I want? I probably won't do <laughs> it anytime soon because I got a bunch of other stuff to spend money on. But I hey, want you just it. bought a new car. I just bought a new car, <laughs> right. Uh, okay, so Dave, those were our five stars of the week. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to watch episode 28 of Ghost Sentai Die Ranger, and we will be right back with you after the break. All right, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode 28 of Ghost Sentai Die Ranger, and Dave, why don't you hit us with a quick recap? Yeah, it's a it's kind of a weird episode, actually. It, it feels like the first half of a two-parter, except it's not. Like it's yeah. a it yeah yeah we get a very definitive end to this episode like it is very much a freak of the week episode but it doesn't feel like one there's a lot of other things happening sort of in the background yeah and there's, it's kind of like uh, choppy maybe yeah it feels kind of choppy like there's they're cr- they're trying to cram a lot in into this just this one episode but uh, a lot of it's pretty cool man. Yeah, what they're doing, it, it feels like what they're doing is they're continuing to set the stage 
for yeah, the sort of latter like a, half of the series. Yeah, for a bigger thing that's coming that's coming down the pike. So let's just get started. Uh, scene one, we see a lady and she's like pulling a cart. It looks like maybe it's like a tofu cart or something. We find out later it's actually a ramen cart. But we see then Kazu and he is dressed in like an all white, I guess it's like chef's whites basically. Yeah, it basically looks like he has raided Ryu's closet and stolen some of his work clothes. Right. And I actually just assumed that this was Kazu's super intense love of tofu kind of finally taking over his life. It turns out it's not. Uh, It is just this lady that he knows and helps out sometimes. Yeah, so... He shows up, and he's acting very nice. Like, Kazu is normally a nice guy. Like, you know, he's a little full of himself and, you know, very sort of particular about some things. You know, he's the he's a slick cat, and he's got a fancy car and a leather vest. <laughs> yeah, but, but he's uh, super... Like, this lady could be his own... His grandmother. He's Yeah, that, that is nice the way her. that he's talking to her, as though it is his grandmother. I think, actually, and I do not remember this for certain at all, he calls her, like, Obachan, and I think that might actually mean grandma. It I'm may not, be, yeah. I don't actually know. I don't know that for sure. But that, that like, rings a bell. You know what I mean? Uh, and before the scene ends, it's a quick scene. And she's like, oh, Kazu, you're so nice. It's so nice to have you help out. Uh, he grabs a flute that I don't know why she has, but she does. He grabs, like, a toy flute-looking thing and uh, starts to just, like, mash his fingers on it in, like, a general sort of way. And then, like, a flute. It's not a voiceover, but like flute kicks in, flute sounds kick in from the background. And I have a deep love of people who play fake instruments badly on TV. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> like whenever you try to watch someone playing guitar and you look at their hands and see what they're doing. Right. Yeah, it doesn't matter what the instrument is. As long as it's like somebody playing an instrument on TV that very clearly just has no idea what they're doing. Uh, I love it randomly mashing their hands into a keyboard and hoping it looks like something, just anything. You know, sometimes they have the good sense to just, like, put the camera in such a... Like, if they're playing, like, a piano, they have the good sense to put the camera angled in such a way that you just see the person, and you can see that their hands are moving back and forth, but you never actually see their hands touch the keys. I think that's probably the way to do it. I feel like 90s TV was particularly guilty of this. Like, you see it in this sort of thing. I feel like you saw it a lot in The Highlander. Dude, you saw it in this. You saw it in The Highlander. Of course the 90s is the guiltiest of it. Because the 90s was when we had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and their attendant rock band. And so you saw, like, three-fingered turtles playing guitars. Like, it made zero sense. I have a second theory about this. Which is that the 90s were the only time in the last hundred years that the saxophone was a really popular instrument. And no one was ever going to bother to learn the saxophone just to play it on a TV show. and Because there's so many keys. And so they would just randomly paw at it. And it it doesn't happen anymore because the only place that a saxophone ever shows up on TV is in the Saturday Night Live band. And that's it. That's true. Sad that I like the saxophone. I don't know, 100 years? I don't know about a hundred years, man. Hey, man, I'm I'm prone to hyperbole. I'm just saying you don't (laughs) see the sax around a lot these days. There is one man in America who has a very comfortable job playing the saxophone. And and it is. It's that one. Saturday Night Live. And it's like that three seconds, and you always know what it is. Uh, Okay, so Kazu plays his fake instrument just terribly, and then we cut away. We get the quick title scene, and then off to the Goma Palace. And some weird stuff is about to happen. Okay, so we've got the three Goma commanders, and they are wearing their ceremonial masks that you have to wear when you talk to the Goma the 15th. Right. And Goma, for reasons that I don't know, and are never, not only never explained, never even addressed. He has a bowl, and he is rolling three dice in the bowl of like a couple of three different colors. And they show you the results every time, and then never talk about it. 
Yeah, it's just another one of those weird Goma things. Like, why did he have a pinwheel? Why do they wear a mask? Why yeah. is he rolling three different colored six-sided dice into a bowl, yeah. and it, like, it, repeatedly as he's talking to his commanders? Right, and it drives me nuts because it seems like it is very clearly supposed to be significant somehow. Like, they're... Like, it seems as though, like, there's just a piece of information that I don't have. And, like, if I had it, like, oh, of course it makes sense why he's rolling dice. In fact, it makes so much sense. Like, it's so blatantly obvious, you don't even need to talk about it. But I don't know what that is. (laughs) So I just have this weird three-eyed egg dude rolling dice in a bowl. (laughs) You know, I feel like there's one of two options with this, which is either that they wrote up a whole list of things, like these are the weird Goma things, and they're just throwing them at you, like they have a reason for it, they just aren't explaining it explicitly in the show, or they just have a pile of props, and every time the Goma go out to like do something in the Goma Palace, they just assign them a random prop and tell them to go with it. I don't know which of those I would prefer. I think they would both be pretty great. Okay, so Goma's sitting here rolling dice, and in his like weird sort of sing-song voice, he says something about the Senate is making a fuss. He's like yelling at the three Goma commanders. And he says, the Senate is making a fuss. How long should it take to conquer like one small island? And then Shadam gets very confused. He's like, wait, what small island are you talking about? Which, yeah. listen... Shut up. You have been on... Because clearly he's talking about Japan. Yeah, like very obviously. Like Goma gets upset and throws one of his dice into Shadam's mouth and explains that he's talking about Japan. But dude, you have been on Japan for the last 27, 28 episodes. Like, You're never yeah. far from the coast. Have you not yet figured out that you are on an island? Yeah, dude. I, I don't even know. Uh, and so, yeah, we do actually just now discover as well that... The Goma commanders are just the Goma commanders that have been assigned to Japan. Like, there are clearly maybe other people that are taking care of the rest of the world, I guess. We don't know. Yeah, that's never really, it's never explicitly talked about, but they do say that these three are working on Japan. So, whether that means that the guy we saw with the sombrero and poncho, like, 20 episodes or whenever that was ago. Right. Like, whether that guy is trying to conquer Mexico in the name of the Goma, we don't actually know, but we do know that these three people should have conquered Japan ages ago, and they are doing a terrible job, and the rest of the Goma are pretty upset about it. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So, Goma the 15th is like kind of, you know, he's sort of going on about this, and then he's like, all right, I'm going to throw you guys a bone. It doesn't say that explicitly, obviously, but he summons or like these dudes appear and they are dressed like uh, priests of some sort. They've got like cool like straw hats that are like covering half their faces and they've got like robes and they've got like staves with like uh, bangles, I guess, they're like rings on top. Yeah, I'm, I am almost sure that this is a very specific, like, they are monks of some particular sort. Yeah. Because I know I've seen this look before, like, As in other things, but I can't place yeah. what it is. I feel a little and bad that I can't I place it. I didn't look it up, so yeah. maybe I will try to look that up to do a corrections <laughs> bit before next episode. But yeah. for now, just know that they look vaguely like Raiden from Mortal Kombat. V wow, that's a that's a very vague, vaguely, but yeah, kind of, kind of. And it turns out that these dudes are the four kings of heaven, which is first of all a fantastic name, and also reminds me of another show that I super dig. Matt, have I ever told you about um, Gourmet Hunter Toriko? You have told me about Gourmet Hunter Toriko. Okay, really briefly, if you've never heard of Gourmet Hunter Toriko, it's like a combination of like Pokemon and like Naruto maybe like long story short the world is in the gourmet age and uh, everything revolves around like who has the best food and like the superheroes of this world are gourmet hunters who like go into 
like the depths of like the crazy wilderness to hunt out the most delicious ingredients. And the titular Tariko is one of a like cadre of super awesome gourmet hunters called the Four Heavenly Kings. And it's hilarious. Like it's a great show. It's super fun. Like it's kind of action packed. Uh, I definitely recommend giving it a watch. It is on Hulu. Although unfortunately, there's only one season of it. And the season ended, and now there's like, I assumed that there was going to be a season two, but I haven't heard anything about it. So I'm kind of bummed out if the show's over, but. I don't know. It's probably not over. It's probably just a weird Hulu thing. Hulu is always like giving you something and then taking it away and then offering you three episodes and then taking those down and then making you watch four commercials to get through a half hour episode of something. And (laughs) listen, they're a service I enjoy, but. Hulu's got its issues. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so each of these dudes is like one of the four winds. Like the north wind, the south wind, east wind, and the west wind. And what Goin' the 15 said is, listen, like these four dudes are going to be working for you from now on. Like take them, use them to take over Japan. Um, P.S. I'm going to be really mad if one of these four dudes dies. Because, oh, yeah. like, these are my dudes. Like, I will be very angry. Like, I'm giving, I'm doing you a favor. If you screw it up, like, things will go poorly for you. <laughs> right. Okay, so we kind of leave those guys. And then we shift over to Cameo. And he is, like, chilling out in his apartment with his turtles... Drawing pictures of turtles. Right. So in, in case you have forgotten Cameo, because he is has been the minorest of characters thus far, he is the dude that happened to watch um, from the background when Wong Tiger was being born. He was the guy who got dragged into being the umpire with the baseball game against the Three Stooges. He's the dude. He he loves turtles. He wears glasses. He's like a goofy, yeah. bumbly dude. I am actually becoming more and more of a fan of Cameo. Like he just seems like a super nice dude. Um, oh, Cameo is seem, super nice. He seems like he's maybe like a little. He's maybe like childlike, which is the only thing that kind of weirds me out about him because like he's very definitely an adult. Uh, yeah, the actor who plays him is very definitely an adult. I sometimes wonder if they should have gotten a younger actor to play him, just because he does act so childlike. Yeah, it's a little bit weird. But anyway, so like he sees or hears or whatever the ladies' cart, the ramen cart with Kazu, and he's like, oh my gosh, turtles, let's go eat ramen. And so he grabs a bunch of his turtles, like puts them in his pockets, and then runs out to the ramen cart, right? He runs up to the cart, like moves aside the sort of half curtain that's covering like the... There's like a little curtained off area that's like attached to the cart to make like a little dining room. It's kind of a neat idea, actually. And so he pushes the curtains aside, looks inside, and sees Kazu and recognizes him. He's like, hey, I know you. Like, you're Kazu. And then Kazu proceeds to say like, oh, no, no, that's not me. I'm not the person you think I am. I'm a total stranger. Like, take your noodles and go, please. But Kamiya is insistent. Like, no, I know you. Yeah. And for a moment, you think that the reason he's doing this is because Kazu knows that the only reason this guy recognizes him is from, like, Dire Ranger-related activities. And so he's trying to lay low. But that's not it at all. Yeah, I was very confused because I was like, all right, dude, since when do the Rangers actually care about maintaining their secret identity? The answer is, Kazu is not worried about maintaining his secret identity as a Die Ranger. He's worried about maintaining his secret identity as, like, a nice person. Right. So he says, listen, if any of my friends see me doing this, it's totally going to ruin my image. So I need you to shut up and never tell anyone that you saw me doing an old woman a favor. And he's like super insistent about it. Like he's getting up in Cameo's grill. Like at one point he actually has him by the throat. Yeah. He's like, dude, you cannot tell anyone. And this is the weird part because he says it would ruin my image. And to which I'm like, Kazu, your image as as like a jerk who doesn't help old women in need? Like what? Okay, like I don't so get it. Like I don't I, know I what. I think I know what this is actually. Because what happens next is we see a flashback 
of Kazu as a slightly younger man. Like, they don't get a different actor or anything, but Kazu was saying, like, when I first came to the city from the country, I was yeah. very poor, and I just got to the train station, and it was just meandering around because he actually, I didn't have anything to do. He actually says, when I ran away from the country. And so, so you clearly, see him, like, his hair is sort of messy. He's right. wearing an oversized sweatshirt and, like, you know... Like farmer pants, basically. Yeah. And he's clearly confused. And, like, the lady who owns the ramen cart sort of beckons him over and, like, gives him some ramen and, you know, presumably some sort of advice, like, ah, everything will be fine. And so she is like his adoptive grandmother. Oh, Matt, okay, I see where you're going with this. Yeah. yeah the thing is, I don't think that he's embarrassed that he's being a nice guy. He is embarrassed that this is something that points to a part of his life where he was not the Kazu that we know today who has, you know, who has the convertible and the fly pants and that sweet vest, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I got you. Yeah, yeah that actually makes a ton of sense. I don't think he wants anyone to know that he wasn't always like Mr. Slick. Uh, okay. So he and is... And apparently he is willing to choke out a stranger to keep that hidden. <laughs> Okay, so he is like, you can't tell anybody. Then, uh, Cameo, he's like, in a weird childlike way, he's like, oh, that's super great. I want to help. So he goes and takes some dishes, like some of the bowls, and like walks over to a fountain or something and starts like washing the bowls in the fountain. And Kazu's like, dude, don't do that. The fountain is really gross. And Cameo kind of ignores him. And then when he looks, Cameo, that is, looks in the fountain, he sees some sort of like crystal. Yeah, it's like thing. a big clear crystal that's about the size of uh, I don't know, like your fist. Maybe yeah. a little bit smaller. It's got a very one ring vibe. Yeah, like he sees it and he picks it up. He's like, "Oh, yeah, like this thing is great." So he finds the one crystal, whatever it is, and then the goma attack. Explosion, explosion, explosion. And it's not just Dakota Poderos. Yeah. It's Dakota Poderos and the three Goma commanders. Yeah. Kind of out of nowhere, which is weird. Um, so Kazu aura changes. He starts fighting. Cameo, very reasonably, is just kind of cowering in the background. And Kazu is like, come on, Cameo, you're just going to sit there? And it's like, dude, what, what do you want him to do, man? He's yeah. like an apprentice illustrator that likes turtles. Yeah, he's he is a dude with a coloring book and a fascination with turtles. He is <laughs> right. not a diary. Like this is not yeah, I mean he this is, is not his world. But he's hundred percent out of his depth. Kazu is saying, like, listen, like this cart is the only thing that that old woman has. We need to keep it safe. So while Kazu is fighting the uh the Goma, Cameo, like he takes the gem out of his pocket, like stashes it somewhere on the cart so he's not bogged down with it. And then grabs the cart, because it's like a mobile thing on wheels, and starts mm -hmm. running away with it. Yeah. So as Cameo is running away, the Goma commanders look after him. And I can't remember which one of them says it. Uh, it was Zydos. Okay, thank you. Zydos just looks after him, and he's like, catch the fat guy! For reasons we don't know. And then uh, Kazu tries to use his aura changer, which is finally revealed definitively to be some sort of communication device. And he's like, guys, come help. I'm in danger. And Zydos is like, your communicators don't work. Also, we have no idea why. Well, okay. He doesn't say your communicators don't work. What he says is, call them all you want. Your friends aren't coming. Oh. Oh, you know what? You're right. And You're right. then Some we communicators see do why work. the friends aren't coming. Right. All right. So we shift scenes. We see the rest of the Rangers and co. walking out of a movie theater. Right? And, and then we see the four kings. Sorry, that's from Toriko. We see the four... No, the four kings of heaven, right? Yeah, it's the four yeah. kings of heaven. Sorry, it's the four kings of heaven, and then in Toriko, it's the four heavenly kings. You can understand my confusion. So anyway, so the four kings of heaven are, like, walking around. Okay, and like, Dave, can I hop in here for a second? Because I have something to say about the four heavenly kings just wandering around <laughs> on the street. Yeah, go ahead, man. Okay, so normally, when the Gomas are in their human form, they are 
You know, like the key clown looked a little weird, but he was mostly hiding under a bridge, so right. no one really noticed him then. And then when the magnet priest was walking around, like he just looked like a priest, and he had a weird magnet staff, but no one really noticed. Because yeah, generally else? speaking, he looked like a normal dude. Right. These four dudes look like they walked out of like a Kurosawa movie or something. <laughs> and they're just walking down the street, like banging their staves against the ground in time and lining up to face the front of the movie theater. And not only do the rangers not seem to notice them, but no one else looks at them at all or says, hey, (laughs) what's up with those four dudes? Yeah, uh, they are. They just kind of roll up. You know, maybe this is like not as old school as we are imagining it to be. You know what I mean? Maybe it's sort of like a traditional thing, but like wouldn't actually be completely crazy to just see on the street somewhere. Like maybe yeah, seeing a nun walking around in a habit somewhere. Right. It's rare. That's possible. It's rare, but you do see it every once in a while. Again, we would know this if we had looked up what these dudes were dressed as before we recorded this episode. Man, I'm a busy guy. That sounds like a lot of forethought <laughs> to, <laughs> to put in. Uh, okay. So they're just kind of like, they don't even engage the rangers. They just kind of walk by, but we know, you know, obviously what's going on. So the rangers walk past an alley. Ko is like the last dude in line. He looks down the alley and he sees like the rickshaw with a Kamaru in it. And a Kamaru sort of like leans out and waves to him. And I'm so I have no idea what's going on because a Kamaru was clearly dead because he was crushed by a boulder. And in fact, we get a little flashback scene that yeah. says, like, hey, this is who Akamaru is, this is his deal, this is why Ko is, like, obsessed with him, but Akamaru died, and yeah. now he's here and Ko's running after him. Yeah, we have no idea what's going on. So Ko runs off from the group, and then, right. sort then, of without incident, Rin runs after him. Yeah. Then we see, it kind of cuts away, and cuts back real quickly, and we see the other rangers sort of out and about looking for Ko. So we see Daigo. And he sees Kujaku up on like a building somewhere, and he's like oh, Kujaku, and he like goes to chase after her. And we get another. Wh- I'm not going to say it every time. When we see all of these things, because we'll see a few more, yeah. Um, we get a quick flashback blurb about who they are and why they the person cares about them, just in case you haven't already watched the other 27 episodes of the show. <laughs> I, I don't know why you wouldn't have watched them already. But, I don't know. Uh, uh okay so this is obviously a trap at this point like very clearly uh so shoji is walking around and he sees the three stooges with whom he has beef and it explains that beef and uh so he chases after them that makes sense here's where i have a problem with this something matt okay dave let me know okay so ryu so clearly whoever is putting these illusions out there is finding someone that the Rangers want to, like, fight slash challenge, like, slash, like, chase after, right? Right. So Ryu sees Jin, the kung fu killer from the last two episodes. The demon fist. The demon fist. Here's my problem, Matt. Oh, tell me what your problem is, because I have one too, and I'm curious if we have the same problem. I think we might. So we see Jin... And he's already transformed into his, like, Ma Kenshi, like, demon fighter form. Right? Right. Here's the only problem. We would assume that these illusions are being, like, drawn from the memories of the rangers because it's exactly who they would chase after. Right. But Ryu has never seen Jin transformed. No, he never has. The last time he saw Jin, he was a wet dude, like, in the on the beach. Right. And that's it. Like, he has yeah. never seen this look. And, and so all of a sudden, Ryu here's does Jin. not react as though, like, hey, what's up with that crazy demon arm, Jin? <laughs> right. He's just like, you. And then they go to fight. And it's a bad fight. And they both, they do, like, a jump kick. And they very clearly do not hit each other. Like, they're not even close. Oh, yeah. They're very clearly jump kicking past each other. And then that right. scene cuts. And that's it. Yeah. But I was, I was deeply bothered by that. Uh, okay, so next scene we see is just Cameo running. Like, he's just booking it. He's got the cart. But Zydos catches up to him, 
and he's getting surrounded by the Kotopotoros when the gemstone that was sitting in the the fountain and is now stashed away on the cart begins to glow and it, there's a burst of energy that comes out and yeah. Zydos and the Kotopotoros are all knocked over. Yeah, and here's the best thing is that we find out that Zydos has no idea what's going on with the cart. He's literally only chasing it because Kazu was guarding it. He's like, yeah. oh, it has to be valuable. Kazu's like, guarding it. That thing seems important. Let's go take it. Yeah. Because he's not even chasing after that gemstone, because he has no idea what's up with it. Right. Like, later on, he will be looking for that gemstone because it, like, blew him up, and he wants to get it now. But this is the first moment that he's aware of it. Yeah, he did not know that that sucker existed. Um, I just think it's hilarious. <laughs> like, his only motivation is, like, Kazu's got it. I want it. So basically, uh, the cameo gets away. The the Goma run. What is it? No, no, no. Sorry, Kazu shows up. That's what it is. Kazu shows up, and then he sort of like fights the Goma off, and they're like, "Ah, we'll be back." And they, yeah, because they were already stunned by the explosion, so Kazu's able to fight them off enough that they can get away. Right. And so this is what we find out. We find a little bit about Ka- uh, cameo. First thing is this, he's, he says he is a an assistant or an in-training illustrator that he wants to like illustrate children's books because he loves making children smile. So Cameo is great. What and a nice then, dude. And then he and says, like, uh, and also, I love turtles. And he starts yeah. pulling turtles out of his pockets. He's like, this one is named Caesar. And he gives Caesar a little kiss on the head. Yeah, it's a little bit weird because it's like, dude, dude, turtles very definitely carry salmonella. You should not. Don't kiss a turtle. Don't do that. Hey, man. Fantasy TV turtles. Give them a break. So anyways, uh, you know what's really bumming me out is I am like 99% certain that this is not leading to a Ninja Turtles crossover. And I've made my peace with that, but it is a bummer. I I mean, I'll go ahead and confirm that fear for you. but uh, Yeah. No, I mean, I assumed that that was not the case. But it was like, come on, man. Magic Green Energy. Dude loves turtles. Could be. Hey, it's man. Not. Sometimes, you know, weirder things have happened. There was a yeah, yeah. big Usagi Ojimbo Ninja Turtles crossover. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Oh, man, Usagi Ojimbo is so cool. Oh, dude. Usagi Ojimbo um, is the best. Yeah. Thanks again, by the way, for getting me that uh, that collection from my birthday. That was oh, really cool of you. You're very welcome. Uh, okay. So... Oh, yes. Cameo thought he had lost one of his turtles, and then, like, go back and find it, and everything's cool. Now things get strange again, as if they weren't strange enough already. We see Ryu, and he is in, like, a mist demon forest thing. Not totally sure exactly what it is. Not the demon forest from the previous episode, but it's just sort of... He is in whatever that stage is when they go to, like... A hidden demon realm. So black right. backdrop, dead trees, you know, dry ice, mist, mist everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so <laughs> we just see him. He's alone at first. But then it kind of pans out and everybody's there except Kazu. Because they've all been sort of lured into this trap by right. the four kings of heaven. Correct. And... Uh, so they're obviously trapped, and then like the four kings of heaven show up, and the rangers sort of see them, and they're like, ah, we're going to fight. And Shoji does yell, unforgivable, which is, I'm beginning to think that like this is just his thing. Like that's his like a catchphrase, I guess. You know, that is a thing that I have seen a ton in various like tokusatsu shows and animes. Like Sailor Moon tells people that they're unforgivable all the time. You know, I wonder if that's just like a weird, like a blurb of translation. You know what I mean? Like something is lost there and it like makes a bunch of sense in Japanese. So it seems like a weird thing to lead with in English at least. Uh, you jumped a little bit. Before they see the Four Kings of Heaven, they see all the illusions that brought them there. Oh, so, you know, like they see the Three right. Stooges and Jin and Akamaru. And I don't remember if Kujiku's there. It doesn't really matter. Because uh, they, ju- they all jump and try to attack them. And they vanish. And then the Four Kings of Heaven appear. That's right. Uh, and so the Four Kings of Heaven, like, take their hats off and they all have horns. Like between one and four horns, and uh, and then they just start fighting. Basically, like it's a pretty cool fight. Like each one of the four kings of heaven has like a different, like special attack thing. Like one of them breathes fire. One of them is really cool. He like is oh the fighting... one who is fighting Ryu. Yeah, 
he like grabs Ryu and then he opens his mouth and like tendrils of pink energy come out and like wrap Ryu up and hurt him somehow. It looks really slick. Yeah, they're just like picking him up and throwing him around with these like weird light tendrils that come out of his mouth. It's it's a good look. Yeah, uh, one of them just seems to have like super strength or something. But like long story short, they're fighting. Now, while they're doing this, Ko, who has also been lured into this, has hidden behind a rock. And he sort of mm-hmm. wants to aura change, but for reasons that are still completely unclear, uh, does not want them to know that he is the Kiba Ranger. So he stays hidden behind the rock. Cut back to Ryu. He pulls yep. out his uh, die buster. Or is that what it's called? The laser gun. He pulls yeah, out his laser gun. And he My notes sees, just say die bustering everyone. He sees like a spot somewhere on one of the Four Kings of Heaven's like bead necklaces. Yeah, pr- Deter- they're beads, I think. Like determines um, that that is some sort of weak point and shoots somehow. at it. Somehow. We don't know why. Uh, so he shoots him and like the priest sort of like is like, ah, they freak out. And then uh, the illusion drops and then we see... Kazu fighting a bunch of Kotopotoro. And this is where my notes say just diebustering everyone. It it seems like these diebusters are actually like way more intense weapons than I had initially given them credit for. Because he's just shooting dudes. And it's working really well. It kind of seems like they should use them more often. Yeah, because every time they pull them out, they're always really effective. We only see them once every, like, eight episodes. <laughs> right. I mean, I guess it makes sense. Otherwise, they would just be, like, Indiana Jonesing all the Kotopotoro. Yeah. Like, the Kotopotoro run out in the entire age is just like, eh, just shoot you. It would ultimately be kind of a boring show. Uh, okay. So, we see that for a second, and then the other rangers sort of, like, fade slash teleport in. And so it's all the rangers... Plus Cameo. Yeah, so it's all the the, Rangers and Cameo and Co. And then the three Goma Commanders and the four Kings of Heaven. Yeah, So so it is a a packed crowd. Yeah. Um, So then the four priests or the four Kings of Heaven do like a little like walk in a circle, chant, join their hands thing. And they merge into like a super priest. Yeah, that so has like it's a one dude. Long, yeah, it's one dude. He's got a really tall neck, clearly so like the actor's head can fit inside the neck thing. And then it's got four faces, each going like facing out one direction from like a central head, I guess. It's very weird looking. It's sort of like four head stalks all coming off of one central neck. Yeah, that's a good way to think of it. But this is the best part. This is the best moment of this. Oh, this is amazing. <laughs> you just see the priest. And it's hard to tell what he's looking at because he's got four faces. And he just, like, he's totally fine. And he just looks out at the Die Rangers, like, holds out an enlarging bomb and just drops it. Yeah, uh, like, in my notes, I just wrote down, like, the four kings of heaven drop the mic. Because, like, that's it. Say. Yeah, no, he clearly just dropped, like, some hot fire. It's like, he just spit mad bars at the Rangers and just drops the enlarging mic. The enlarging mic? Sure, why not? It's yeah, fantastic. For this episode, it is the enlarging mic. Okay. So, uh, from there, it gets like fairly standard. The Rangers do a Kaiden summon. Ko summons Wong Tiger. You know, they show up. Uh, they turn into. Di- not Dairino. Uh, Kibadayo. Um, yeah, it's Kibadayo, and then. Ryuseyo, like, Bujinhenge's, and so it's, like, the two robots, and, uh, And they're fighting, and then, you know, the Phoenix, uh, droid, or droid? Sure. I was trying to say something that wasn't Zord, because that was the only word that was coming into my head. (laughs) The Phoenix Zord, let's be real. Kibadayo does, like, the thing where the Phoenix turns into a blade and launches itself at the bad guy. It turns into a blade, and then it turns into, like, a lightning fireball (laughs) that's flying through an energy grid. (laughs) How you cannot love everybody to go with that sentence would be beyond me. It's great. I'm sorry. Uh, I said lightning fireball. It's more of a laser fireball. Yeah, that's fair to say. And there's definitely like a 90s like cyber grid going on. It's I, great. I don't know. Uh, but he launches the Phoenix. The four priests go down. Like, that's basically it. There's not much to be said about the fight from there on out. Right. But, but we have aftermath. After yeah, this aftermath. is not the end of the episode this time, which is kind of weird. But... The next thing we see is we see Kazu and Cameo back at the 
ramen stand. Cameo is continuing to insist. He's like, dude, we're going to tell everybody. It's going to be great. You're such a nice guy. Like, you're so sweet and caring. And Kasu is continuing to insist that you cannot tell anybody. That would ruin his image. And again, yeah, like, like his image of being like a cool jerk, I guess. Right. Like, why don't you, instead of saying that, why don't you tell me something that I want to hear? And so yeah. what Cameo switches it up to is like, okay, well, then I'm going to be your friend and I'm going to help you do this all the time and we're just going to hang out forever and it's going to be great. Like, and this Kazu is going to be the best. Does not think it's going to be great and like tries to start running away from him and they're just like <laughs> zigzagging down the road cartoonishly. Because <laughs> well, he's dragging the ramen cart. It's too heavy. He can't get away he from it. He can't get away. Okay, so Aftermath Part 2. Yeah. We are in. A field. Right. And we see in the field, I don't remember if anything happens, but like dust kind of gathers and then it becomes clay. And then the clay, it's they do like a little claymation thing. And it turns into a little figure of a priest. And then the four priests are back. Yeah, like it like becomes they a figure killed. of a priest. That figure of a priest grows and becomes one of the priests, and then the three other ones sort of like step out from inside that one. It's a cool. Look. I don't know. It's pretty neat. Uh, and they just sort of go like walking off to somewhere. We're not totally sure where, but I'm sure that I I assume that these guys show up again. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I would be very surprised if they didn't. Yeah, it. They definitely feel like they're going to show up again. Uh, and then we jump back to Cameo. He is, like, chilling out in his little, like, apartment room. He's playing with his turtles. He's scribbling right. on some coloring books. It's cool. And then, uh, the crystal, like, activates. It shoots green lightning everywhere, and then Cameo disappears. And that's it. And that's it. That is that's the end of the get. episode. Yeah. I, again, it really feels like this should be a two-parter, you know? Like we, I want the direct sequel to whatever just happened. I don't think we're gonna get it, but I want it. I don't know. I I cannot remember what episode comes next, but we will get all of this stuff followed up on. <laughs> I'm glad. I again, I am sad that this is not a Ninja Turtles crossover. I feel like they could have set it up pretty easily, like Green Crystal Turtles shifting dimensions or whatever is happening to Cameo. Doesn't seem hard. Oh, dude, you're going to love what happened to Cameo, but we will get to that later. Am I? Okay, good. Now I'm glad. For now, Dave, uh, what was your high point of the episode? Ooh, high point? I'm going with the enlarging mic. Yeah. Yeah, I got to go enlarging mic. Oh, dude, it was such four, a great moment. Like, the super priest just, because you could, like, even though it's like a molded mask, you could just feel him, like, staring at the rangers being like, what? And he drops it. <laughs> It's really good. Uh, uh, how about okay. you, man? Okay, um, man, my high point. I think... Mm. Dude, the Four Kings of Heaven were really good. I, really I like them cool. as a monster. But instead of that, I'm going to say that I liked getting some background on Kazu. Yeah, that was cool. You know, he's one of the guys that we haven't really gotten much about their family or their history at all. Mm -hmm. And so it's nice. It's a, it's cool to figure that yeah, stuff out. Yeah, fills in a little bit stuff. Especially about when it's episode 28 and you're sort of just realizing, like, how little you know about the guy. <coughs> yeah, that, no, I, I can dig that. Uh, how about a low point, man? Anything that kind of bugged you about this? Um, Because I got one. I got something that bugged me. Oh, well, there was the bit we talked about earlier with Jin and how that didn't make any sense. Oh, I had actually totally forgotten about that. Okay. It did bug me. That That's not what point. I was thinking of. What's up? That, I'll have that be my low point. That should have been pre-transformation Jin. <laughs> yeah, that made no sense. Uh, the thing that really was bugging me is those stupid dice. The oh, go yeah. is just sitting there rolling dice. There's a lot of unexplained stuff. Like, why did that one gem just happen to be in the uh, fountain? Yeah. I'm not sure we ever get an explanation on that. Dude, okay. Uh <laughs> <laughs> it just needed to get the gem in the scene somehow. So the prop guy walked to like the periphery of where the camera was able to see. <laughs> just like, just threw it. it and then said, okay, I think I went over That's there right. and just work it into the scene. <laughs> okay, so uh, that is going to do it for another episode of Live and Let Die Ranger. 
Before we finish up here, I'd just like to remind you all that you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get updates on future episodes or talk to us on Twitter, we are at Bros. If you like the show, please remember, shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. That's what's going to help people find the show. Um, thank you for everyone who's done that so far. I saw yeah. there was a new um, review this week. So Awesome. Thanks. Uh, thank you to the person who did that. Um, I should have gotten your name, but I think it was our friend Aaron. So thanks, Aaron. <laughs> Um, and that's it. Uh, the Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Uh, once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week. Die.